everybody, welcome back to another edition of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeff, sitting in his home studio today. A little bit different is my co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, welcome to show number 50. Show number 50, and they said it couldn't be done. I don't know who they were, but they were wrong. Before we get too deep into the show, we've done... 49 of these prior and i've given you an out on all of them but you still continue to want to talk about baseball history yeah i thought i'd give you one more just i keep poking the bear just to see you know if there's anything that i can tempt you to talk about so i thought today we could either do the usual talk about baseball history or we could talk about the astros cheating fallout (laughs) Because uh, nobody seems to be talking about this, and I don't know why it's not getting more attention. Yeah, I mean, to those of you out there who are baseball fans who haven't heard, apparently the Astros did something that was uh, against the rules <laughs> or something. But I, I honestly, I don't think I know enough about it, Jeff, to uh, do an entire show on that. So maybe we should just talk about something a little more lighthearted, something a little more positive, like, you know, baseball right. history. Okay, I'm down. I, I actually have some information for stuff oh. today, you know, for this week's show. Oh, even so that'll better. work out well. That's great. <laughs> so this is, as as I mentioned, this is our 50th show, which uh, is to, not, you know, toot our own horn, but I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. We've gotten through 50 shows. Um, and we did something special for our 34th show, if you remember back. That was, of course, the number worn by Hall of Famer Nolan Ryan and Mark's favorite player throughout his career. So we did a little little tribute to Nolan Ryan. Well, as you all know, I mean, number 50s retired throughout the league because Ricky Henderson was on every team. And that was yeah. totally his number throughout his entire career. Oh, yeah, career, absolutely. Right? Wait, no, I think I think you're starting out the Ricky Henderson show with a canard, my friend. <laughs> that's right it's just it's it's more of a celebration than than a number he wore but today's show uh, once we get through a couple of things here at the beginning is going to be all ricky henderson all the time and needless to say i am very excited yeah that's me too actually i i'm a i'm a big ricky henderson fan not in the same vein as you sir but uh, i've always enjoyed uh, enjoyed watching him play and and he's just a very special player a one in a million so we're gonna we're gonna talk plenty about him, uh, but first let's get through. Let's do some BP. We'll we'll do some non Ricky related stuff, just some quick quick hits, and then we'll get right into all the 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 Ricky Henderson goodness. So I, I mentioned the Astros. You know the the, the punishments came out this week. Oh, yeah. A lot of uh, well, not this week, but last week. A lot of people losing jobs. Uh, a lot of upset fans. A lot of upset players. Um, just a whole bunch of stuff about the Astros and mainly, you know, what they did. But I found this, I believe this was on Reddit earlier, uh, in the week before those, right after the punishments came out and before everybody started dropping like flies. And this is a quote from Mike Scott. Now, if you remember, Mike Scott was the boss in the office. No, 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 no. no, Different one. I mean that he was, but I mean, that's, that's, that's not it. It's actually Mike Scott's one of my favorite pitchers of all time, uh, being an Astros fan. Really? Yeah, absolutely. He was pretty much unhittable uh, during like the 85, 86 seasons. He was he was dominant. He was I, I'm assuming he was on the Astros alongside Nolan. Ryan. He was that yes. a fair assumption. That's right. Mike Scott also uh, pitched for some other teams, one of which was the New York Mets, 
where he pitched from 1979 through 1982. And this is from a book, uh, a, a book called One Pitch Away by Mike Sowell. It was published in 1995. So this is 25 years ago. And this is a quote from Mike Scott. There are all kinds of things going on. When I was with the Mets, we had a TV monitor in the bullpen. It was just zeroing in from center field. You could see every sign the catcher gave. We could stand out there, and if we knew a breaking ball was coming, boom, we could give the hitter a sign. So, (laughs) I mean, that's, I mean, clearly, you know, stealing signs has gone on for a a very, 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 very long time. And TV cameras have always been in use i get the feeling here though he's just talking about the broadcast sure uh it, you know maybe they were just just piping in either the broadcast feed or just the feed from the centerfield camera but they were using it back 25 years ago so actually longer than that because he's he's talking about when he was with the mets in 1979 through 1982 so yeah yeah it's amazing how much uh how much better you can hit when you know what pitch is coming you know it's it's just an odd coincidence. I just have a hard time. I have a hard enough time seeing catcher signs in HD. I, I'm guessing back in 1979 through <laughs> 82, that that quality couldn't have been that great. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I how could you even have told if it was one, two, three fingers? Uh, who knows? Yeah, it's, especially if it was like a night game. Yeah, I mean that was probably they probably weren't as accurate as they could be now or are now. Probably, I, guess yeah. I should say. All right, another thing, uh, 1973. So this was a dark year for some fans of the game. For me, I love it. Wasn't a baseball fan. I was <laughs> not even one year old when, no. when the 73 season started. But that was the year the DH, the designated hitter, was introduced into the American League. Do you remember whose idea the designated hitter was? Well, you know what? I, I don't have any specific knowledge of that, but uh, there was a guy who was pretty well known for coming up with radical, unique ideas named Charlie Finley. I'm going to guess him. You are correct, <laughs> sir. It was owner of the athletics, right. hated by all of his players, yes. Charlie Finley. It was his idea for the DH. But when a vote, you know, when, when the when the owners voted for the idea, during the 1973 offseason, he voted against it. Of course he did. <laughs> He's like, this is a genius idea, but no. <laughs> but the reason he voted against it is because he had also proposed a second rule change, that being of the designated runner. Oh, yes. He, he actually kind of had a designated runner, but he took a roster yeah, He did. Yeah, yeah it, it, it was essentially a pinch runner was you know, on the 25 man roster and her watching. That's right. But he was, he was also looking for support for the designated runner and, and the other owners weren't down with it. So out of protest for them, not supporting his second idea, he decided to vote against his first idea. <laughs> oh, Charlie. So I saw somebody came up with a suggestion. It was, it was, it was a, a well-known baseball writer. I forget who it was. It, I don't remember. I I follow a lot of them and I can't remember. But they had suggested this rule because I I think we're most people can fathom that the DH is going to be universal in the next couple of years. Sure. And so this was their idea that you use the designated hitter only as long as the starting pitcher is in the game. Once the starting pitcher leaves, 
then the pitcher spot comes up to bat and you've got to start, you know, pinch hitting or, or you know, doing the kind of the National League strategic stuff. Wow, that, that throws a whole different spin on it. It does. I, th- I don't think that's a bad idea. I got to give it some thought, but my, my first inkling is that I, that's, that's interesting. That actually might add a little bit of strategy to an otherwise uh, dull at bat. Yeah. Now I can see the first thing that's going to happen is a pitcher is not going to go out for the next inning, a starting pitcher, but his spot comes up and the DH goes up there and bats. And then they're going to have to make a ruling. Do you, you know, if, if the DH bats sure. in the prior half inning, do you have to go out and at least face one batter? Sure. Yeah, now that we now that we require that you face certain amounts of batters when you're coming. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was an interesting idea. Huh. I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my eye on it because I I kind of like that idea. All right. So Mark, remember last week uh, I uh, asked you a trivia question. I didn't give you the answer to it because this is a new thing we do. That's right. Where... That's right. I have to go through an entire week wondering what in the world the answer could be. I can see you just. Madly tapping your foot all week, just kind all of week long. Yep, absolutely. Scratching your head, doing doing all those stereotypical like sitcom comic. Uh, oh yeah, actions when you're thinking. Yeah, crumpling up notes, throwing them behind me, <laughs> pacing, <laughs> pacing back and forth. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. All right. So my question was, which rookie led Major League Baseball in home runs in the 1999 season? That's right. Yeah. Any idea? Any guesses? I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a clue as to who, even who were rookies in 1999. Yeah, you know. Any? I did that whole ideas? show on 99, and uh, I, I, I don't remember a single thing about it. That's why I do the show so I can forget it and I can go back and listen later. You can just tell people go listen yeah. to show. Yeah. I have your answer. 46. Just go listen to the show. Darn it. Well, let me give you. Let me. I'm, I'm going to start from third place. Okay. Because these are some names that are just fun just to remember these names. Third place from the Boston Red Sox. He clubbed 21 home runs, Brian Daubach. Oh, man. Sure, I remember Brian Daubach. I, I remember him. I I want to say he was a catcher, but I don't think he was. Um, Daubach was a first baseman DH, I think. And I believe I have uh, a bit of trivia here about Mr. Daubach. He was the very first... Name mentioned on the out-of-town scoreboard at Safeco Field, which opened in 99. So the first uh, out-of-town game update was about Brian Daubach. And the fans were just screaming for Brian Daubach I, news at that I'll, point. The only reason I know that is because I typed it in. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> I wouldn't have a clue. Well, there you go. I mean, after Phil Plantier didn't pan out uh, as their first baseman, you know, you know, for a couple of decades. We were all, you know, putting our money on Plantier. Well, I was. I had a... A literal ton of Phil Plantier rookie cards as well. <laughs> he and Sam Horn, just those first baseman prospects never really turn out. All right, so back to the trivia question. Second place, having knocked out 22 long balls from the Kansas City Royals, Carlos Beltran right. with 22. And the major league leader in home runs as a rookie in 1999. This is a name I had not heard for quite a while. After finding this out, I, for some reason, saw him posting on Twitter and started to follow him, and he's uh, very active on social media, Preston Wilson. Oh, wow. No, You know what? I wouldn't have come up with that name either, but I remember him as a rookie. I remember thinking, this guy's got some talent. Yeah. Now, he was a rookie with the Florida Marlins at that That's point, right. I believe, right? Yes. 
Uh, I want to say, and I'm looking it up now, I probably should have done this beforehand, but I want to say that he is Mookie Wilson's son. And he is actually the... Okay, here's some more trivia about Preston Wilson. (laughs) He is both the nephew and stepson of Mookie Wilson. So that's some odd... (laughs) Nephew and stepson. So let's figure out how this works. (laughs) Uh, Is there math involved? (laughs) Uh, I I think there's more family tree um, jumping around here that is involved. If you're a nephew and then and a stepson, so you're obviously a nephew first because that's by sure. by blood, and then you married somebody. I want to say hopefully in another branch so, of that right. tree. So Mookie Mookie married Preston's mom is what we're looking at. But he was somehow related before because he was a nephew of Mookie. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I, we're not going to get into this because this is getting a little salacious. I, I did not know that. Uh, I, I, I remembered that he was something to Mookie Wilson, but now I think we've dug quite a hole there for. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that was the answer to last week. So let me give you uh, this week's question to just make you scratch your head and pace a little bit more right. for another week. All right. So. Records for consecutive stolen base attempts are limited by data that wasn't kept up until a certain time. Caught stealing wasn't officially recorded until 1920. So anything before that, we don't know about. Of course, that's the time of Kid Nichols and Sliding Billy Hamilton. All these guys that stole 100 plus a couple of times, but yes, with asterisks by them. Last week, you talked about Max Carey. Yep. Early, uh, early, late teens, early 1920s speedster. Max Carey established a mark in 1922 and part of the 1923 season where he consecutively stole 36 bases without being caught. That's pretty impressive. That stood until Davy Lopes broke it with 38 consecutive steals in 1975. So over 50 years that record stole. That stole. It stood. That's a lot of stolen bases in a row, man. That is a lot. Now, I'm going to tell you, that record since Davey Lopes broke it in 1975 has been broken. Okay. The question I am going to ask you for next week is who currently holds the mark for consecutive stolen bases? Okay. Uh, any hints? Are you going to tell me what era? Uh, or do I just... Gotta... I, I'm not. Okay. Oh, I, I mean, I gave you the hint. I told you it was after Davey it's Lopes in 1975. Davey Lopes. That's what I know. Yeah. Okay. So literally, you have 45 years in which to work. Okay. Okay. I thought this was a great question because it references who you talked about last week and who I'm going to talk about this week because it has to do with stolen bases. Yeah, that's good. You kind of bridged the... Uh... The gap between uh, last week and this week's, but uh, am I supposed to guess or am I just supposed to ponder? Uh, you can guess. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you if you're right or not, but go ahead and guess. Um, well, the two guys that come to mind are Kenny Lofton and Vince Coleman. And those are two names of baseball there players. There you go. So those are those are my the ones that like my, you know how you always say, go with your first impression, your first thought. Those are the guys that came to yep. mind. All right. Well, we're going to put a pin in All it. Right. Next week, I will tell you if you are right. And if you are wrong, I will tell you who it is. All right. Sounds like fun. I guess it gives me incentive to show up next week. That is the only thing keeping you on this <laughs> That's show. <right. laughs> All right. So let's uh, let's wrap up BP. Here comes uh, the grounds crew. Uh, neither team actually uh, came out to to take BP today. So it should be pretty quick 
to, to wrap things up. Yes. And uh, we're going to jump right into our main topic this week. Again, I am super excited about this because this week's show is all about the man of steel, Ricky Henderson. That's S-T-E-A-L. That it is. Now, I, if, you, if you've only listened to a show, if this is your first show, if you've only listened to a couple of shows, I am a Ricky Henderson fanatic. I have, he has always been my favorite player. Uh, I grew up uh, my early years in Oakland and went to A's games at the original configuration of the Coliseum. He was my favorite player. I followed him throughout his career. I've been fortunate enough to interact with him. I've collected stuff. I, I just, he is, he's my guy. And so I wanted to start out here by going through a couple of quotes by Bill James. So Bill James is kind of the father of modern sabermetric stats. He was coming up with these kind of sabermetric stats that we talk about today, but he was coming up with these kind of things in the late 70s, early 80s. So Bill James at one point, this is while Ricky Henderson was still a player, was asked, is Ricky a Hall of Famer? His reply was, and I love this, he says, quote, if you could split him in half, you'd have two Hall of Famers. (laughs) Now, that really depends on which way you split him in half, because if it's just like straight down the middle, I don't know that he survives, yeah. but possibly at the waist, then, well, you know, he part of him could survive. I think. You know, and I, I, I appreciate the fact that you you took it very literally, uh, Jeff. <laughs> Was there another way to but I that? think I think he may be saying that there were two sides to Ricky as a player that were both Hall of Fame talent sort of thing. So see, I, I actually took it as his numbers are so great that if you split them in half, you would still, the numbers would still be Hall of Fame. That's worthy. probably true, to be honest. Some of them, de- most most definitely. Yeah. So, so later, this was attributed to Bill James in the year 2000. He said, quote, without exaggerating one inch, you can find 50 Hall of Famers who all taken together don't own as many records as many important records as Ricky Henderson. Mm. So, I mean, you know, possibly. Ricky, he really only owns three at this point records, that being for stolen bases, um, runs scored, and caught stealing, which isn't so much one you want to. But, you know, he also hold the, held the record for base on balls right. for a short period until uh, Barry Bonds was intentionally walked past him. But still... I mean, very, very impressive, obviously. And the final quote I wanted to share was from sports writer Jim Murray, who now, if you remember, especially early in his career, Ricky had a batting stance where he would it was almost an exaggerated crouch. Yes. And thusly how he walked so much, especially early in his career. Well, sports writer Jim Murray described Henderson's strike zone as being smaller than Hitler's heart. (laughs) That's good. So there there's your. There's your history reference as well as baseball history right there. So um, I I mentioned that I wasn't going to do last week. I mentioned I wasn't going to do typically what we do where, you know, Ricky Henderson was born in the back of a car on a snowy Christmas day in 1958 in Chicago, Illinois, which is true. But I'm not going to I'm not going to walk you through his life. I'm not going to walk you through his career. Even I'm going to I'm going to run through some numbers that are interesting. But then. I like to describe Ricky Henderson as kind of a modern day Yogi Berra. Um, he's he's got stories out there that are just, I mean, they're just you can't believe that they're true. And some of them, 
a lot of them are not. But we're going to go through a lot of those stories and we're going to we're going to talk about whether they're true or not. He's he's almost so, almost uh, uh, not just a, a human, but he's a, a thing of legend. He has he has folk stories about him. He, he does. And believe it or not, uh, a couple of songs. I believe it. Uh, including including some raps. And there is a, actually a, a rapper named. He goes by the name Ricky Henderson. OK. I think I played. I think I played some one of his. I'm, I'm doing air quotes hits uh, in an earlier show. But uh, all right. So let's jump in. First, I want to go through some numbers. Uh, and these are kind of, uh, there's no particular order here. These are just some some numbers just to kind of talk about my favorite player of all time. So Ricky Henderson walked 796 times in his career to lead off an inning. Wow. So not 796 times total, just to lead off an inning. Now, also remember that, you know, he led off most of his career, but that only assures you of leading off an inning one time in the entire game. Yeah. So... Still a, a lot. He walked more times just leading off an inning than Lou Brock, Louis Aparicio, Ernie Banks, Roberto Clemente, Kirby Puckett, Ryan Sandberg, and 50 other Hall of Famers did in their entire careers. That's crazy. So, I mean, you know, Ricky had a 271 lifetime batting average, which I don't think you're going to find a lot of Hall of Famers that only hit 271. But, you know, it, it was his ability to get on base. His his career on base percentage is 401. Crazy. Which, I mean, you know, anything over 360 well, or so is considered good, This you know, today. And for a guy who played as long as he did, to, to sustain that is amazing. Yeah. So, you know, Ricky, Ricky obviously walked a lot. Uh, Ricky Henderson had 81 career leadoff home runs. Half a season, exactly. Of those 81 home runs to lead off a game, that's 50% more than Alfonso Soriano, who is in second place all time with 54. I tell you what, 54 is a lot. That is a (laughs) lot. It's a chunk, but not even comparing to the man himself. So Ricky's first career home run was a leadoff home run in his rookie season of 1979 against Steve Comer of the Rangers. Nice. His final home run of his career was also a leadoff home run off of Woody Williams of the Cardinals in 2003. There was not a single season that Ricky played that he did not have at least one home run from the leadoff position. Nice. And, you know, Ricky played 25 years. That's crazy. (laughs) He played a decade in the major leagues. And not a single season did he not hit a leadoff home run. Ricky Henderson faced Randy Johnson, Hall of Famer, 89 times. Can you guess what his batting average was against Randy Johnson? I'm guessing you're asking Ballpark. because it's it's something cool. So I'm going to guess 300 exactly. You are a little bit off. He hit 115 against Randy Johnson. I'm a little off, yes. <laughs> With 30 strikeouts. Oy. He also, though, walked 28 times. Okay. Okay, fair That enough. is a 393 on base percentage against Rand, Randy Johnson. Ricky figured out a way, is what you're saying. Yeah, he got on base. He he couldn't he couldn't put the bat on the ball against him, but he could certainly get on base. 
Uh, the final day of the 2001 season, Ricky collected his 3,000th career hit. It was a leadoff double against Rockies pitcher John Thompson. I remember it. It was a, it was a, it was a little flare out to right field at Jack Murphy Stadium, and it, it's like he couldn't have placed it better. And with his speed, he he got a double. That uh, was also the final game of Tony Gwynn's major league career. Oh wow! And Ricky Henderson had originally didn't want to play because he didn't want to take away from Tony Gwynn, you know, playing his final game. But Gwynn insisted that Henderson play that day. And one of the coolest things that I ever saw was an interview where Tony Gwynn called Ricky Henderson one of the best teammates he ever played with. That's cool. And I now one thing I wanted to ask you. So today everybody seems to fawn over Ricky. Everybody loves Ricky. They love to reminisce about him. But when Ricky was playing, that was not the case. No, not necessarily. And, and I'm, I, you know, I think part of it was because he just, he beat a lot of people's teams sure. when he was playing, but he was thought of as a hot dog and right. never really hustling and that kind of stuff. See, I, I, I never saw him as not hustling. I did see him as pretty cocky, but he backed it up. You know what I'm saying? Oh, he was, yeah, he was definitely a hot dog. You know, the very first time he did a snatch catch. Mm-hmm. Which, if you don't know what that is, it's Ricky's famous for it. He go, he puts his glove there, and just right as he's about to catch the ball in front of his face, he snatches his glove right as he catches it and hits his hip with it. And if you don't know what you're doing, you can easily miss the ball and get hit in the face, or you can spike it in the ground. Uh, the very first time he did that was the final out of a no-hitter. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> that takes some stones right Boy, there. I but. Guess. When I saw that, that Tony Gwynn, who everybody respects, called Ricky Henderson one of his best teammates, I thought that was awesome. That's cool. 1998, Ricky stole 66 bases to lead the league. Uh, He also led the league in walks that year. He was the oldest player to ever accomplish either of those feats. On July 29th, 1989, Ricky Henderson stole five bases against the Mariners. Now... Randy Johnson was on the mound. All right, so high leg kick. <laughs> so so he probably walked most of the time. Yes. Uh, that was his career high. Uh, one shy of the single game major league record. As I said, Ricky was usually hitless in the game or against Randy, and he was, but he had four walks. <laughs> Ricky had 18 four-steal games during his career. Wow. And in August of 83, in a three-game series against Milwaukee, and a two-game series versus the Yankees, Ricky stole 13 bases in five games. Wow. I mean, he was just, I mean, this was prime Billy Ball, you know, Billy Martin, Billy Ball, where he just would get on base, and he was, if you walked him, he was standing on third, you know, pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Baltimore Orioles third baseman Floyd Rayford described the confusion he felt during one game in particular, Henderson was leading off a of first base and he looked over to Floyd and he held up two fingers. Floyd had no idea what he was doing. You know, the peace sign. <laughs> two pitches later, Henderson was standing on third, having stolen second on the first pitch and third on the next. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one for you. <laughs> so you're right. He was cocky, but he could back it up. Yep. Through his career, Ricky went from first to third on, it couldn't find if this was specifically on a single, but he went from first to third on 43.5% of of any hits while he was standing on first. Wow. So that's incredible. Now, remember, we've talked about 
old timey Billy Hamilton, a.k.a. Slide and Billy Hamilton, who would be credited with a stolen base when he played if you went from first to third on a single. Right. So imagine what Ricky's numbers would be if that was still how you scored stolen bases. I, I don't know if there's a number high enough. It would it will it'd be well over 2000. That's for sure. Which would be he he might have possibly been the only player that could have had three thousand career hits and three thousand career stolen bases. True. So Ricky's uh, stolen base total in just the eighties was eight hundred and thirty-eight. Just that amount would place him fourth on the all-time stolen leaderboard. (laughs) Wow! Never mind the other fourteen seasons that he played. Actually, fifteen seasons. So Ricky Henderson, like I said, he he leads baseball all-time in in career caught stealing he was caught 335 times so if you took his 1406 you minus 335 for every time he got caught stealing and you took away his 1982 season where he set the single season record at 130 stolen bases he would still be the all-time leader by three <laughs> so, wow i mean he is so far out ahead wow. of everybody uh, just to kind of put that in perspective, somebody could debut opening day this year, the end of March, steal 50 bases every season for the next 28 years. He would still be six steals behind Ricky. 28 years of 50. 28 years wow. to steal 50 bases. Malik Smith led the majors in stolen bases this year. He had 46. <laughs> Oh, my. So, I mean, stolen bases just aren't part of the game no. as much anymore. No. So it, There was a day, man, the, the art of the stolen base. I won't say it's been lost, but, man, there was a day when it was uh, it was a big, big, big part of the game. It was. And I think at some point it'll come back. I mean, everything's cyclic, cyclical yes. in baseball. I don't know if we'll be around. I hope we're not because I don't <laughs> – that would, that would be painful for me to see that. But – Someday, stolen bases will become a big part of the game again. Uh, Ricky Henderson had three seasons with at least 20 home runs and 65 stolen bases. There have been just under uh, 20,000 people in the entire history of baseball to ever play in the major leagues. Of that just under 20,000, there have only been two other players that have ever done that. (laughs) That was Joe Morgan in 1973 and Eric Davis in 1986. Good company. Yeah, it's pretty good company. Eric Davis should be in the Hall of Fame, I think. <laughs> after after Larry Walker gets in, and I'm going to say he's going to get in, Eric Davis is my next my next guy. He'll be the next one we champion. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I wanted to just do some quick numbers of Ricky Henderson versus Hall of Fame pitchers. So I, I talked about Randy Johnson and the numbers he, he had against Randy. Best Hall of Famer uh, that Ricky, well, the best performance against a Hall of Famer, Steve Carlton, mm. which it's kind of hard to believe that he faced Steve Carlton, but Ricky went two for three against Steve Carlton. There you go. Uh, uh-huh. Trevor Hoffman, Ricky only faced twice. He did get a hit off him, one of one of two. But then Jim Jim Palmer, another legendary Hall of Famer, ten for twenty one. That's impressive. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, Raleigh Fingers, three for seven. Don Sutton, ten for twenty five for a four hundred average. So uh, you know he 
I got a bunch of names here, some which he did well against, others that he didn't. One in particular, though, that I was very interested to see is one Mr. Nolan Ryan. Yes. Do you? How do you think he did against Nolan Ryan? Um, you know what? I would be absolutely guessing, and uh, I, I don't want to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about more than usual. Yeah, people are used to it. Okay. Let's just All roll right. with it. I'm going to say you probably hit a good 265. He is right around Randy Johnson oh, average okay. at 118. Oh, my. So I was close. <laughs> so he, he didn't walk as many. Obviously, he didn't face Nolan Ryan as much as he did Randy Johnson. Uh, he only faced Nolan Ryan uh, 22 times versus the 85 versus Randy Johnson. He walked five times and he struck out five times. Yeah. So, I mean, they really parallel Randy Johnson's numbers because he, Ricky walked 26 times and struck out 30 times. So right about even. But uh, yeah, and Mariano Rivera, 0 for 5. Mm. Goose Gossage, 0 for 9. Lee Smith, 1 for 11. He did not like closers. I guess not. Except for Trevor Hoffman, I guess. But those are some, some interesting numbers against some other Hall of Fame pitchers. Uh, final uh, final quick note on the 20th anniversary of Ricky Henderson's record-breaking uh, season. The A's gave away a Ricky Henderson bobblehead. I have several of them sitting over here to my left. <laughs> he asked that they make sure that they put dirt stains on his uniform to make sure it looked like he'd been playing in a game. Nice. Which I thought was pretty cool. That was important to his, him. Yeah, his grandmother used to give him a quarter uh, when he'd come home from Little League, but only if his uniform was dirty. That's awesome. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, another kind of interesting fact here. How many th- players do you think have, in the same season, walked 100 times and stolen 100 bases? Uh, what? So I'll tell you, there's only been about, I think it was like 17 or somewhere around thereabout seasons of someone stealing over a hundred bases. Yeah, that was my thought process. Was how many, <laughs> there's not a lot. How of many opportunities were there for someone to do so? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with one. Well, I'll give you that one other person other than Ricky. Okay, Ricky did it three times. Yeah, sliding Billy Hamilton oh. did it twice. Oh. Of course, remember with those the, were not all stolen bases. Yeah, with the extra yeah. stolen bases attached. Yeah, but I was interested in Vince Coleman. Mm-hmm. Do you know what Vince Coleman's career high in walks was? No. 70. Really? Yeah, which is not a bad yeah, number, but didn't walk that much. No, it's not what you want your lead. I mean, it, it, there's worse for sure. But you, you, yeah, you want your leadoff guy to, 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 do, to get on base a little more. Remember, he played, you know, for the Cardinals for most of his career. And that was on that AstroTurf with that was when Terry Pendleton and Willie McGee, you know, just all those fast guys. So I'm wondering how many bunts he had, which might have precluded him from walking. Um, Do you remember what do you you hear the phrase Ricky run? I don't think so. So that was something that I believe it was either. First base coach Dave McKay or third base coach Renee Latchman coined when Ricky was on the A's, especially in the late 80s. And that's where Ricky would lead off the game with either a walk or a hit. He'd steal second base. Then Carney Lansford would, e- would either advance him with a hit or just, you know, Carney Lansford was a great oh, hitter. Hit behind just him. hitting the ball to the right hand mm-hmm. side. Yeah, hit behind him, move him over to third. And then either Canseco or McGuire. Either hit a home run or get it out of the infield and Ricky scores, you know, possibly without a hit in the game yep. yet. That was that was what they called a Ricky run. Happened a lot. 
It sure did. Uh, Don Mattingly was a huge fan of Ricky Henderson, loved having Ricky on the Yankees when he was there. And from 1985 through 87, those three seasons when Ricky was in New York, Don Mattingly, those were his three highest RBI totals of his career. Imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, imagine that. One game in particular. So I mentioned the 1982 season. That's when Ricky stole 130 bases. Ricky was hurt for a couple of games that year as well. He only played in 149 games. Just, I, I mean, he just got on base and, and, and ran. A game, June 8th, 1982, was against the White Sox. So in the fifth inning, Ricky reaches on an air. Next batter singles. As I mentioned, Ricky goes from first to third. Then he steals home. Nice. Seventh inning, next time he comes up, he gets hit by a pitch. Steals second, then he steals third, and he scores on a single. Nice. That's how just dominating he was, mm-hmm. especially in the 80s, kind of kind of throughout the 80s. That's the kind of stuff he did. Which which is amazing when you think about how much he walked, because yeah. your pitcher had to be going out there going, don't walk him, just don't walk him. You know? And he had that strike zone that was so small, yeah. and he had a decent eye. He, he oh, was yeah. kind of of the Paul O'Neill school where, you know, he never actually took a called strike, but, um, <laughs> you know, he... He, he, he hit well, and he got on base. Yep. Oh, all the time. I want to look at just quickly at his record of stolen bases and runs scored. Uh, Ricky's uh, runs scored record uh, is 1,400. Er, uh, stolen base record is 1,406. The career active leader, and I'm, I'm doing active in, in quotes because I don't believe he played in the majors this year. He tried to. Rajay Davis. Oh, with sure. 415. Wow. <laughs> It's only a thousand behind, and Rajay Davis is like eighty-two. He's right up there creeping up on him. Yeah. Next is run scored. Ricky scored twenty-two hundred and ninety-five in his career. The active leader is Albert Pujols at eighteen hundred and twenty-eight. <laughs> so he is about four hundred and fifty behind him. But I'm not sure Albert Pujols is going to score that many runs. I think he's still got eleven years left on his contract or something. he might be getting paid longer than bobby bonilla yeah he might all right so let's jump into some stories about ricky henderson because i think everybody's got stories about ricky henderson he's been doing a lot of interviews especially since he went into the hall of fame where this is this is just prime interview bait for everybody they ask him about these stories and you know he's ricky is a fun to watch be interviewed yes he does talk about himself in third person not as much as everybody you know <laughs> likes to say he does but i love watching him because he when he's being interviewed he is he is just super serious you could ask him the dumbest question in the world but he will answer it just so earnestly <laughs> like the best to his best ability he's trying to give a good interview and and i love it nice. so here are some stories the first everybody's heard this story about Ricky Henderson and John Olerud. Oh, yes. Um, it can change whether it be uh, both of them are on the Mets or the Mariners because he played. they played as teammates on both teams where uh, Ricky Henderson had been on the team for a week or so. And during BP, he walks up to John Olerud and says, hey, wh- why do you wear a batting helmet in the field? And Olerud explains that he had had an aneurysm nine years before and he wore the helmet for protection and the the story goes that ricky says yeah i used to play with a guy that had the same thing um <laughs> right. and and then ola Rude would say yeah ricky that 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 was, that, that was me 
that never happened. Ah, <laughs> glad to know it. And actually, uh, Ricky actually, uh, Rick, Ricky actually didn't play on the Mariners with the Olerud. It was the Blue Jays and the Mets ah, okay. that he was teammates. But both Ricky and John Olerud have both said that that is not a true story. Good to know. But still a good story. Yeah. Another one I've heard a lot is that, uh, remember Kevin Towers? He was the GM of the San Diego Padres. He was the GM when the Padres went to the World Series. And he signed Ricky twice when Ricky was a free agent. The story goes that one uh, one year during the offseason, Ricky was a free agent and called uh, Kevin Towers and left a message on his machine at that point. And it 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 was essentially this talking in third person. This is Ricky calling on behalf of Ricky. Ricky wants to play baseball. Now, Ricky says this never happened. Towers says it did. Hmm. I'm going to believe Ricky just because he's Ricky. Yeah. But good story nonetheless. This is this is a good one. This has been debunked. Ricky once asked a teammate how long it would take him to drive to the Dominican Republic. <laughs> now, this just sounds like a blonde joke to me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this is another good one so remember 2004 the Red Sox broke their curse and finally won a World Series sweeping the St. Louis Cardinals in four games supposedly Ricky called someone in the Red Sox up the day after and asked about tickets for game six at Fenway Park <laughs> so okay. uh, again this one has been debunked but it's still a good story now, here are some some actual stories that are true. Another one, this one a lot of people have heard. The uh, In the early 80s, the uh, A's accounting department started freaking out as they were doing the books at the end of the year. They were off a million dollars. So they did a little bit of investigating, found out that they had written a check for a million dollars to Ricky Henderson. So they asked him about it. And instead of cashing, he framed it and hung it on his wall at his house. <laughs> something he said he was always going to do when he became a millionaire. Oh, that's crazy. So, yeah, I've got another some uh, some more good money stories with Ricky Henderson coming up. Uh, another one in 1996. This was the first year that Kevin Towers had signed in with San Diego. He boarded a bus looking for a seat in spring training. And the player seems to change a lot. But the, the one I see most people saying that said this was was then catcher brad osmus sure and he said hey ricky you have tenure you you can sit wherever you know you know you don't have to sit in the front you can sit wherever you want and henderson looked at osmus and said 10 years ricky had been playing for 16 or 17 years <laughs> this is a confirmed story That's too funny. and that that is something i can see this is another one uh, the year ricky ricky played half of a year with the boston red Sox, so that would have put this in 2002 uh, Ricky Henderson once, this is, the, I mean, this, this is stuff legends are made of. Ricky Henderson once fell asleep on an ice pack and got frostbite, which forced him to miss three games in mid-August. <laughs> the only player to suffer frostbite in mid-August and lose time. <laughs> but uh, that is, that is definitely real. You just never, you just never know, I guess. How some people can figure some things out. Yeah, some people can sleep anywhere. Yeah, so, I guess so. Ice pack? Yeah, whatever. I've talked about this one before. So remember when Nolan Ryan uh, totaled his 5,000th career strikeout in 1989, it was Ricky Henderson. Yes. And uh, we've gone through some quotes that I haven't been able to to see if they were sure, you know, real. He wanted to 
take the ball out to Nolan before he's got <laughs> he was even got to the plate and stuff. Right. But this is what he said. Quote, it gave me he gave me no chance. He just blew it past me. But it's an honor. I'll have another paragraph in all the baseball books. I'm already in the books three or four times. <laughs> which is a bit of an understatement, but uh, yes. he also said, if you haven't been struck out by Nolan Ryan, you're nobody. There you go. That's a good one. I like it. <laughs> um, another Kevin Towers GM story about Ricky Henderson. He was trying to get a hold of him at the hotel where the team stayed, and he knew, like a lot of players, Ricky always used a fake name to avoid the press. So he was trying to think of what Ricky would you know, use as a fake name. And uh, he guessed right after a couple of tries uh, Ricky had checked in under his favorite comedian of all time, Richard Pryor. <laughs> so he thought that, oh, no, people are going to be looking for Ricky Henderson. But if they see Richard Pryor, they would never, <laughs> never totally, want to get a hold of totally him. Totally leave Richard Pryor alone. Not when they're looking for Ricky, you know? No. Uh, so Mike Gallego, we've talked about him a couple of times on this show. Remember, he was a utility infielder with the A's in the mm-hmm. late 80s, early 90s. And if you remember, I believe it was after the 90 season, Ricky held out for more money in his contract. And this is a quote. I'm, I'm not not happy with this, but he said, if they want to pay me like Mike Gallego, I'm going to play like Mike Gallego. <laughs> just, Mike Gallego is just living his life. And it's like, what the hell? <laughs> Come on, man. Me too. You know. <laughs> <laughs> So this is a good one, and I'll put a show link, uh, a link in the show notes to this one. This is a story from Harold Reynolds. Harold Reynolds, legal problems aside, I like Harold Reynolds. I do too. Um, I think he does a good job on on MLB Network, and I find him very personable. Uh, I think some ladies might find him a little too personable, allegedly. But uh, if you remember, Harold Reynolds led the league in steals in 1987. Yeah. Breaking Ricky Henderson's streak of he had led it eight years in a row. Right. And Ricky was hurt that year, which that's right. I'm not going to say that's the reason Harold led the league in stolen bases, but it probably was. So uh, Harold tells the story really well. The, the day after the season, he gets a phone call and he picks it up. And I love how he says Ricky introduced himself. He says, Henderson here, which just <laughs> cracks me up. But it's kind of weird because Ricky usually says Ricky, but... Harold says, Henderson here. Uh, And he goes, uh, hey, Ricky, what's going on? And, you know, he's thinking that he's calling to congratulate him for finally, you know, breaking the streak. But this is what Ricky says to him. 60 stolen bases? You ought to be ashamed. Ricky would have had 60 at the break and then click, (laughs) hangs up on Harold. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. And like I said, I'll I'll put it in the show notes. Harold does a great job of you know telling that story <laughs> that's awesome so uh if you remember after ricky uh, 2003 was his last year in the major leagues playing with the dodgers for a little while he kicked around in the in, in independent leagues and, and there's a great 30 for 30 podcast where they interviewed him during the season and all he wanted to do was play yeah. he just loves the game yeah. and i can i can understand it. i i love the game i respect too. that so much so he played also for a West Coast Independent League team, which was great because I happened to be living in Phoenix at this point, and Phoenix had a team. And he came and played for, you know, not for them, but against them. Yeah. And he, they had a bobblehead night for him, even though he was on the opposing <laughs> team. But I bought seats for this game. There weren't many people there. Uh, I sat right in front of his daughter's. 
which is pretty cool because I was just eavesdropping on sure. them the whole night. And I remember, though, I mean, I got there early. The teams are taking BP. He didn't take BP. But then they're getting ready to start the game, and these coat racks come rolling out, and the players changed from BP into their game jerseys in the dugout. I mean, that's how independent this was. <laughs> that's, that's very independent. They couldn't, they couldn't rent the, the clubhouses. Um, so... Ricky beyond the 30 for 30 they had an aw- he had an author following him that was doing a, a, a story about him and so uh, I've got some stories here one uh, I guess he was on his way to that game in Arizona that I was at for his own bobblehead and this writer who was from the New Yorker they ran into some trouble getting on the airplane and Ricky Henderson apparently told the flight attendant that he would only turn off his cell phone after they took off so I guess he's saying, well, I'll turn this off as soon as we actually get out of here. Hmm. Well, um, he said that he would only do it if she asked nicely. So <laughs> they stopped the plane, turned it around and went back to the gate. And both Ricky and this writer from The New Yorker were removed by law enforcement. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, the officers wanted to know who the writer was that was with him. Ricky said, uh, that's my biographer and lawyer. Much to the surprise of the uh, writer who was not a lawyer at all. (laughs) But that's just crazy because I was at that game and I had no idea. He almost didn't make it to that game. Oh, my. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Wow. So now this one I know you're going to have some insight to because I know you've talked to me about this. I don't believe we've talked on the show about it. But the Mariners held a Barry White night one year at the ballpark. I was there. And Ricky, I this this was I I'm guessing because everything I've heard that this was 2000 when Ricky was on the team, because Barry White is his second favorite performer of all time, first being Luther Vandross. Okay. This was not in the article I read about this. This is just the idiotic stuff I know about Ricky Henderson. <laughs> uh, White threw out the first pitch before the game, and Henderson caught it. And uh, when asked about where that ranked among his career highlights, he said at the very top. <laughs> so everything else was <laughs> being the greatest base dealer leadoff hitter of all time was second paling in comparison to catching, catching a ceremonial first pitch. From Barry White. Now, didn't Barry White come up and introduce like player walk-ups for a little bit. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah. He, yeah, uh, I, he did one time through the lineup. I think he did the first three innings. Um, and he did a, a lot of, uh, like little vignettes and things that they had filmed, uh, you know, players names that sound sexy when they're said by Barry white, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, yeah. So it was, that was, that was an amazingly fun night. I, I'll never forget it because they took such great care of all of us sitting up there. Barry was sitting up there in the PA spot and, uh, we all kind of hung out and got to eat the really cool Barry White spread that was there. And and <laughs> he had a rider for this. <laughs> he did. He did. Oh, it was lots of like blueberries. Wow. That's what I remember. I, yeah. Anyway, soothes the throat, I guess. I guess. I, we'll, we'll have to have Tom Hutler back on and ask him about that. I, I know I've heard him talk oh, yeah. about. Oh, yeah. Barry White. They now. sat right next to each other. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, I, I, Tom's got a great voice, but uh, Barry made him sound like a BG. All right. So now I've got a couple more stories here that are unconfirmed. I've never been able to find one way or the other. Haven't heard Ricky comment on as well, but they're just they're great stories. 
this one I have heard several different ways from different teams, leading me to believe it never happened. But uh, this one was when uh, he was on the Mets at one point, and there were reporters running around the clubhouse before a game, and he asked somebody what was going on, why are all the reporters here, and he was told that Tom Robson, the team's hitting coach, had just been fired. The team's hitting coach, (laughs) somebody that Ricky should know. Ricky said, who's he? (laughs) Now, I've heard the same thing about a GM that was fired while he was on a team, so I I think this is probably just a story, but you could see how it could be assigned to Ricky Henderson. <laughs> I could see that. Yes. It kind of has this, and whether it is an accurate or an earned reputation or not of being a bit aloof at times. So yeah. here's, I love this one. Uh, this one, uh, he, he just traded back to the Oakland A's in 1989. And uh, Tony Larusa is walking through him through the signs when he first gets there. He shows him everything, including the takeoff sign, which, that means disregard all signs. Okay, so if I, you know, if I swipe my 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 chest here, that means disregard everything. Nothing's on. Right. So Ricky's first at bat with his new team. He gets to first. I believe he walked. I, I don't remember, but I believe he walked. So Larusa did not want him to run because he figures everybody knows he's going to run. So he flashes the steal sign, or he tells the coach and. Who would have been Renee Latchman at this point? He gives him the steal sign, but then he, again, I'm wiping my chest here because that's the typical like yes. takeoff sign to say don't. Everything's, nothing's happening. So he steals second on the first pitch anyway. Next pitch, same signs, take off. Next pitch, Ricky's standing on third base. So two pitches into his base running career, back with the A's, and he's already completely disregarded the signs on two pitches. He comes in to score on a sack fly or something, and as soon as he gets to the dugout, LaRusa comes up and says, what the hell was that? Didn't you see the takeoff sign? And Ricky said, no, I saw him. That's what I did. I took off. (laughs) He told me to take off, dude. (laughs) You can't tell a base stealer you know, to take off because he's just going to run. This is the takeoff sign. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) I love this one. So remember, Ricky was on the Padres a couple of times. He was a teammate with Ken Caminiti, who, you know, was a great player, was a, I want to say a real victim of steroids. He admitted to, to taking PEDs. Um, He also died uh, tragically very young. young. Uh, Ken Caminiti at one point, though, uh, was quoted as saying that he estimated that 50% of Major League players were taking steroids. Well, somebody asked Ricky about this, and he said, Ricky's not one of them, so that's 49% right there. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. Oh, I I just have to believe that one is true. Another, uh, Another Ricky quote on steroids is he kept, he says, they kept that... And we don't, we keep this safe for work. You can imagine what I'm going to say. They kept that stuff a secret from me. I wish they'd told me. My God, can you imagine Ricky on roids? Oh, baby, look out. (laughs) (laughs) Too funny. Oh, Ricky. Uh, So the Mets were staying at a hotel in Cincinnati, less than a mile away from Synergy Field, which is where the Reds used to play. Uh, so most, a lot of the players just walked from the hotel. Others got on the team bus. Uh, a few minutes uh, before a couple of them that were walking there arrived, again, this is less than a mile away, 
Um, as they're walking up to the stadium, a stretch limo appears that just pulls up. The guy runs out, the driver runs out, opens the door, and there's Ricky Henderson stepping out of the back seat. <laughs> that one I tend to believe is true as well. Yeah. I know Ricky liked to travel and stuff. I like that one. Uh, this one I've heard several times. Ricky was asked if he had the Garth Brooks album Friends and Low Places, and Ricky said, Ricky doesn't have albums. Ricky has CDs. <laughs> that I can also believe yeah. is true. Yeah. Uh, another, you know, we talked about the one where the A's uh, were a million dollars off with his check. He had framed it. Right. Uh, so here's some more money stuff. In the in the 80s, the Yankees sent Ricky Henderson a bonus check. A few months passed. They did an audit and they were, guess what? They were off six figures. Exact same as this check. The uh, current now GM of the Yankees, Brian Cashman. At that point, he was a, a low-level lackey. And like he was an intern at the at the Yankees at this point. He calls Ricky up and asks if there was a problem with the check. And Ricky said, I'm just waiting for the money market rates to go up. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't didn't want to invest too early, I guess, there. Wait till they go up, then get your money in there. Yeah, then go. that's when you put it all there in. There you go. Uh, this one I had heard before. I actually heard somebody telling this just the other day that when Ricky was on the Yankees in the mid 80s, he told his teammates that from his uh, his condo, he had a great view and that he could see the entire state building. So, <laughs> <da-dun-tsh. laughs> OK, it took me a second. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and here's my last one. My last Ricky story. This is. Uh, this is a good one. So uh, I mentioned that he played a part of a season in Boston in 2002. Uh, Red Sox chairman Tom Werner asked Ricky what he would like for his going away gift. I I think the last couple of years he played, everybody thought it was his last year. So it's kind of a, like a retirement tour. And Henderson said he wasn't going anywhere, but he would really like to have the owner, John Henry's Mercedes. <laughs> Not a Mercedes, <laughs> John Henry, the owner's Mercedes. He wanted that Mercedes. He wanted that particular one. So uh, Werner said, you know, it's probably going to be tough to get the same make and model in, in less than a week. And Ricky said, no, I want his car. That's all. Awesome. <laughs> so uh, they actually got him a red Thunderbird. And when he saw it on the field before the last game of the season, he didn't know it was for him. He said, whose ugly car is this on the Oops. field? <laughs> Uh, so there you have it. So those are my favorite Ricky Henderson stories. Some true, some not, some still in the ether as to whether they're true or not. Well, first of all, Mark, do you have a Ricky Henderson story that I didn't cover? Is there any memory or story that maybe you have that I, I didn't hit on? I, I never had the pleasure of, of meeting Mr. Henderson. I, I did have the pleasure of seeing him uh, play in a, an exhibition game in Tacoma once. And uh, he uh, he walked on four pitches, stole second, and then he left. And nobody. He's like, I'm out. <laughs> nobody, nobody really knew what happened, I don't think. But, uh, you know, he came in. He said, look, I'm Ricky. I'll, I'll show up. I'll steal a base. Everybody will be happy. And everyone was. So, you know, <laughs> we were good at that point. Uh, we, we saw Ricky steal a base. I remember the, the GM of the – they were then the, the Tigers saying, hey, we're going to give Ricky that base for stealing it. And I'm like – Man, a triple A <laughs> exhibition game second base. That's gonna go to the top of his collection, let me tell you. Probably still has that. Oh, you know? I'm sure. So I I guess my the very first time I met Ricky Henderson, I was in junior high school. So this is the late 
late 80s. He was still on the Yankees, though. And for some reason, there was a sporting goods store opening up in... I was then living in Salt Lake City. For some reason, he was coming to the sporting goods store for the opening of it. Hmm. And this is in the middle of a week, and he's going to be signing autographs at like 10 in the morning. This is a school day. But it was Ricky Henderson, so my parents, you know, I missed school that day and went and met him. 10 in the morning, he's wearing sunglasses. I'm not going to say he was hungover, but he possibly could have been. (laughs) But that was the highlight, you know, of my early youth i i i I play you know saw him growing up i'd come to a's games when i was young i was i wanted to be him i led off in little league i played left and center field i was fast and boy i would come home and uh, i would put on my little league jersey on off days and i would go and i would just slide head first (laughs) i pile up the dirt and slide head first into it so i could get up and kind of brush dirt off me the way he did i just i you know he was my guy Uh, yeah, I did. I did actually. I'm dirty right now. Yeah, you know, I would. I would think you were going to do that before this show, in particular. <laughs> I, another one of my favorite stories is when I was working at the Braves. I've mentioned it before. I sat right behind home plate in that camera well, and he would come through town with the he. You know, especially when he was in the National League, and I would borrow. Uh, I, I knew some people. I borrowed professional cameras to take pictures because I'm in this camera well all by myself with the cameraman. Wayne from TBS. It's just the two of us. And so I would take pictures um, whenever he would do anything. And I I took this picture of my life. And this was before digital cameras. So I didn't know it until, you know, I developed the film. And uh, he ran through a stop sign at third base and got thrown out at the plate. And I just happened to snap a picture, (laughs) right? As uh, as Greg Maddox is kind of right off to the side, he was pitching. He was coming to back up home. Eddie Perez, because Eddie Perez was Greg Maddox's, you know, caddy, uh, was catching the ball and about to tag Ricky out. And I think you can see Chipper Jones over at third. It's just a great, great picture that I totally got by accident. Right. Um, But I would follow him around during BP, just taking pictures. And he knew he kept he would pose for me the the second time they came through and I was doing it. He goes, are you following me again? And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) And then one time this is uh, again against the Mets. This was in the early 2000s. This is when baseball players were dying their hair blonde. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Face. Yeah. So I had to dye my hair blonde. You had hair. It was a great look for me. Yes, I did have hair, <laughs> wow. and it was blonde. It was great, and uh, but it was I dyed it myself, so it didn't look. It looked a little bit more orange than blonde. Yeah, I've seen that happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you remember Ray Ordonez? Sure. For the Mets, absolutely. Uh, he had kind of orange hair that was dyed at that point too, and so I'm you know during BP. This is Atlanta. It rains every afternoon in Atlanta for like 10 minutes. So it starts to rain. So I just went into the visitor's dugout and sat on the bench there with some other people I knew. And a couple of the players were milling in, you know, about. But I'm in shorts and in a polo. But my hair is kind of orange like this. And kids start yelling, Ray, Ray, (laughs) sign this for me. And I'm looking, oh, is Ray Ardonius around here? And I look and they are staring and pointing at me. So that's funny. Kids are dumb. Kids are dumb. <laughs> but uh, I, I would say this. Any of our listeners, if you have a Ricky Henderson story, which a lot of people do because <laughs> he's, he's a 
landlord here in Oakland. I hear stories about things he does here. He's just a character. If you, if anybody happens to have a Anderson story, let me know. I'd love to talk about it. So or get him in touch with um, us. You know, we'd like to chat with him a little bit. Uh, yeah, sure. I'll, I'm going to slip him our our card next time I see him. There you go. Just see what I can. All right, so that's going to do it. That's going to do it for our Ricky Henderson. Like I said, you know, I'm sure there will be another show where I will do the kind of walk through his life and career, but I thought this was a bit more fun uh, just to talk about these goofy stories and, and his goofy personality. So. Yeah, good stuff, man. There it is, Ricky Henderson. All right, so uh, it is that time, Mark, where we are going to jump into a segment that we like to call, and so we do, Wax Packs Heroes. Gotta pull the wax now uh we're doing uh doing a little bit different thing uh, we're not doing wax packs today we're gonna we've got another cello pack that we're gonna hit up and it just doesn't sound the same when you sing cello pack heroes so no it isn't but we're gonna keep the same theme song that's right so uh here is the sound of the cello pack so let me let me get these open i i've chosen two of them now remember i can see the first player in here on top because they are in cellophane not in in wax i'm not going to tell you who they are though okay uh but i'm going to let you choose i'm going to let you choose the pack and whether you want to go first or second so i've got one on the left one on the right which one by the way these are 91 don russ is what we're working with today okay. so uh which would you like left or right well i was gonna go with left um but if it's 91 donruss i gotta go right i i, I don't <laughs> know why but i thought i'd say that all right do you want to do you want to be the home team or the visiting team uh, i'd like to start off i'd like to be visitor visitor all right so the top cards on both of these we've got two catchers we've got uh royals mike mcfarlane and the orioles bob melvin Ooh. Uh, you chose the bob melvin one could be a good sign. So, could be that. Could be. Could all my players are could, only good after they retire. <laughs> all right. So to remind everybody the rules of Wax Packs Heroes, we are using a Beckett baseball card monthly from May of 1992, so that these cards have some value. They, these cards have basically no value if you look at them in a recent guide. Uh, we also hand out uh, extra value if you are wearing a mustache or sporting a mustache as the case might be because a lot of these players do you get an extra cent if you have been inducted into the hall of fame you get an extra five cents and our newest rule is if you are pictured wearing real stirrups you get another extra cent but if you are wearing two and ones you minus a cent so there it is uh the standings right now we are deadlocked at nine apiece so this is, uh, we did tie the other week, yeah. but we've got much better cards today. So We hope so anyway. Uh, let's get started. Uh, as I said, your first card is Bob Melvin, current manager of the Oakland Athletics. At this point, he was with the Orioles, uh, no mustache, and uh, he's a catcher, so I'm sure he was wearing stirrups, but I can't see. Um. But let's uh, take a look at the value of this card, which I'm guessing I, is probably going to be nothing. I have a guess. I'd like to go with zero. Yes. You are spot on. Yes. I, uh, it is good, though, because this picture was taken in uh, Oakland, But even though... Uh, Bob Melvin, was, I thought I always had a mustache. That's just... Okay. Just yeah, definitely no. I think you you might be thinking of Bob Brenly always had a mustache. He, he had I don't too, remember right? Bob Melvin with one, hmm. but... 
All right. Now, this is not fair because your next uh, card is another catcher and uh, is my favorite catcher of all time. Oh, the great Terry Steinbeck. The great Terry Steinbeck. Now, it does. The one thing I did not like about Terry is he was a catcher and he did not wear real stirrups. Yeah, that's kind of messed up. So uh, that is a minus one right off the bat. And uh, I'm not sure that his cards were ever really worth anything. This one is not. So you actually are at a minus <laughs> minus one cent. Uh, you're on the board, but yeah, the wrong this way. Is a great, great shot of him, though. It's he had a, a kind of a bent uh, crouched batting stance that I loved. Uh, this is in old Milwaukee County Stadium, and I loved that stadium. Never got to go, but yeah. uh, and he's also wearing the face protection that a lot of players wear now. But he had to wear it because uh, freaking uh, Bobby Thigpen used to hit him in the face every year, yes. like a jerk. Uh, okay, here we go. This is a name we've talked about before. Outfielder for the Blue Jays, Junior Felix. Yes, and you should have seen his father, Senior Felix. <laughs> do you think he named his son junior felix as well so it would be junior felix jr a uh, man i can only hope yeah i i could i that would be awesome yeah uh his card is not worth anything but he is wearing some real stirrups so you are now even oh, at zero i'm not below sea level anymore excellent you have you have you've poked your head out of that hole next we've got pitcher for the san francisco giants jeff brantley Right-handed starter. Um, that is not worth anything, but he likewise is wearing real stirrups. Way to so go, Jeff. Uh, Kevin Brown, pitcher for the Texas Rangers. Kevin Brown, good pitcher. Yeah, he was a flamethrower. Hard-thrown righty, I believe. Yep. Uh, this card is not worth anything, however. Um, I hate to... Well, I can't tell. It really looks, in fact, I can tell you he's wearing two and ones because I can't see in his pants. Remember, baseball players wore real tight pants at this point. Yes. I can't see that arch <laughs> from his stirrups, but I also can't see his stirrups um, on his one foot that he's showing. So I'm going to I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and just say that's a zero value card. I'll take it. Next, we've got Calvin Schiraldi. Oh, man. That is a name I have not thought of in a long time. Calvin? He was on that 86 Mets team. Yes, the, the famous or the infamous Calvin from the uh, <laughs> Mets fans. I'll never forget that. That poor guy. He uh, His card is not worth anything via Beckett's. He has got a beard and mustache, so that counts. Uh, at this point, he's on, he's on the Padres. Yeah. Uh, that sure... Nope, those are real stirrups. I can see the arch. Oh, nice. Good job, Calvin. So that is uh, plus two. So now you're up to three. Nice work. You're really rolling now. I can't be stopped. Here's a name you, uh, I'm sure you are familiar with. Uh, sometimes closer for the Seattle Mariners, Mike Schooler. Sure, I remember Mike Schooler. Mm -hmm. Didn't, I think he set the record one year for home runs given up by a reliever. It does not shock me. Uh, or it might have been Grand Slams yielded. One of those it, two. Hey, it was not a. For Schooler, it could have been both. You know, it, it was not a good, uh, not a good record. No. So you do get one cent there because he is uh, got that 80s, uh, late 80s, early 90s mustache. But you get a lot of catchers and pitchers. No position players yet. Uh, Joe McGrain, lefty pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. Joe is not sporting a mustache. 
can't see what he's wearing on the feet. Was Joe sporting anything? Uh, Joe was sporting a 3.59 ERA from the prior season. Huh. In 1988, he led the league with a 2.18 ERA. Let's see, Joe was a sporting master. He was. And uh, having a hard time reading the trivia about him on this. These cards are, the backs are kind of a blue with black writing. It's not make it easy. Uh, going along with your uh, your trend here, another pitcher, this one from the Yankees. I have never heard of Mr. Jeff Robinson. Jeff, ah, uh, sure. Uh, Jeff Robinson, uh, Yankees, maybe just a couple years, was a starter, wasn't he? Uh, no, he was a reliever. Like I said, he was a reliever, and I remember him <laughs> very well. Uh, came up with the Giants, then he was traded to the Pirates for a couple of years, and this would have been his second year on the Yankees. Huh. Sporting a mustache? He is most definitely clean-shaven because he is on the Yankees. See, I know nothing about this guy, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the card's not worth anything, and uh, there's no no bonus. Definitely not a Hall of Famer. I'm just going to go out there and say not a Hall not, of Famer. Not yet. There's still not the Veterans yet. Committee. Yeah, he's <laughs> All right. Now, again, now, if you could get anybody other than a pitcher or a catcher, that would be fantastic. But here we go with the lefty pitcher for the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, Bob Patterson. Oh, sure. Uh, I'm going to guess that Bob's not worth anything. He is not via Beckett's, but he is. I think that's assuming a lot about Bob. Oh, you mean well, as far as his baseball card value? Never mind. Yeah, I, just just his value. Yeah. I'm sure, I value him as a as a human being. Good, but uh, he is uh, sporting a mustache and he is sporting real stirrups. So, well, it's the only way Bob I'm going to score any points this uh, this game. Yeah, so that's up to six cents. Woo! <laughs> oh boy, now you're still you got another another pitcher here, but I have grown to love this gentleman since we started this podcast. He is uh, he's not a rapper. Not Brett Saberhagen, but he did produce and help sing the the chorus of a song about himself after the Minnesota Twins won the World Series in 1987. Il Gasolino, Juan Berenguer. <laughs> Juan Berenguer, yes. Oh my gosh, that guy. That guy. I I think he was around a while, wasn't he? Ah, uh, I I well, let's see. At this point. He'd been around for, it looks like five years. I'm not sure how much longer he played. I, 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 God, I remember him in the minors or something about him. I can't recall, but for some reason it was maybe he was in the PCL for a long time, and then maybe I have no idea what I'm about. Well, I can tell you this: his card is not worth anything. Yeah, but he is, of course, sporting a mustache as he always did, and he's wearing rail stirrups again. There you go. So you are now at eight cents. I, I'm not scoring big players, but I'm scoring really well on wardrobe. Yes. So uh, next, I'm just going to let you guess. Is the next player a catcher or a pitcher? Uh, I'm going to go with a pitcher. <laughs> nope, it's a catcher. It's Steve Lake of the Philadelphia wow. Phillies. Steve Lake. Yeah. Uh, back up for the Phillies forever, I believe. I think he still is. He still might be. He still might be. Well, his card is not worth anything, but he is uh, sporting a mustache. I cannot see his uh, his feetsies though. Yeah. So that is just. I said feetsies. I'll, not I'll take the mustache. Another word that sounds like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, guess again. A pitcher or catcher? Pitcher. <laughs> yep. You I got, got one this right. one. Uh, this one is Mark Knutson 
of the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, I remember the name. I remember you had a really cool name first too. name, Mark. That's all I really remember. <laughs> I thought his last name was a lot cooler. No. K-N-U-D-S-O-N. Knudsen. Yeah. Uh, so uh, at this point uh, in his career, he'd been around for a while. Uh, Mark Knudsen, though, is not worth anything value-wise, but uh, he d- is sporting a mustache. Uh, he's also cheating us, though, with some two-in-ones. Ugh, loser. So that's a, that's a nothing there for you. Uh, all right. Once again, pitcher or catcher? Catcher. <laughs> Wrong. It's a pitcher. Oh. It is John Franco. Oh, sure. we talked about him. We, we talked about just John a couple every of shows ago. Once in a while. Sure. Yeah. Is, uh, is he a left-handed closer? He was, yeah, which is very a, rare. used to be a rarity. Yeah. Now not as rare, but also uh, a member. No, he was he was last on the Reds in 89, so he was not a member of not, the Nasty Not boys. quite a Nasty Boy. Yeah, but he was the closer for the Mets, yep. born in Brooklyn, I remember. That was a That's big right. thing that hometown boy was, yep. was their closer. Uh, the card, however, not worth anything. Uh, John Franco always had a mustache. Yes. John Franco, unfortunately, favored the two-in-ones. And so. thus canceling out the mustache. Yes. <laughs> so you're at nine cents going into your last card. Now, these are Don Ross, so you do this. You've got a Diamond King. Oh, here, oh, a painted a Diamond King. Fancy painted card. And you've got a great player here. Uh, revived his career in Japan for the Hanshin Tigers. Came back to the Detroit Tigers. Yes. We must have only wanted to play for the Tigers. And uh, had a son also. That, that hit the ball hit. pretty hard. I wasn't. Didn't he hit the exact same amount of career home runs as his father? Did, I'm not sure. I think he did. Cecil Fielder. The, now, the this Cecil. is a painting, but Cecil Fielder is sporting a mustache. It's, it's a painted on mustache. That should be double. It is. So uh, the card is worth three cents, uh, but we're going to give you an extra cent for the mustache. Yay. So that is four cents and totals you out at 13 cents. A huge game for, for Mark and, and his miracle Donruss guys. No no big Dave Justice at the end. No, like no. <laughs> All right. So uh, that is your, your pack there. So we're going to start in with mine now. As I said, we already know that the... Guy on the top is catcher for the uh, Kansas City Royals, Mike McFarlane. Mike McFarlane never had a mustache. I can't see his stirrups, and his card is worth a big goose egg. So, way to go. This guy, ah, this is a good player. Marquise Grissom. Oh, light, light. That, that's a classic. He was a, he was a great base dealer, too. He fits right into this episode. He, he was, and he if you remember, he came up with the Montreal Expos, yep. where he is still on this card, and this is a great looking card those uniforms he's he's batting too so he's got like the red white and blue striped helmet yep really nice now i know marquise usually had a very thin mustache yes. i can't see though because he's batting so i can't see the front of his face his card is worth three cents and he is definitely wearing real stirrups i think you're already ahead of me <laughs> i'm well ahead of your pace let's put it that way Next outfielder for the Detroit Tigers. I always loved this name. Chet Lemon. Chet Bitter Lemon. You bet. (laughs) Uh, Chet, uh, I mean, I remembered him as an outfielder, and I remembered him mainly 
for his name. His real name was Chester Earl Lemon, but he went by Chet. Uh, Card is not worth anything, but he is wearing stirrups and he is sporting his mustache. So that is a two center and I am up to six cents and I have six cents. Oh, man. Now, here's an unfortunate card, uh, simply because I believe that this gentleman uh, passed away while he was still playing. Mr. Tim Cruz, pitcher yes. for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yes, reliever for, for the Dodgers, died in a, a tragic uh, boating accident. Boat accident, yeah. yeah. A couple of, a couple of uh, players, unfortunately, suffered the same fate with him. Yeah. Um, I know one of them was a Wazoo grad, and I want to say it might have been... It might have been Tim Cruz, but uh, I don't remember. But that's uh, that was, un- you know, that sucks, obviously. Yeah. Uh, the card is not worth anything, but he is sporting a mustache and I can clearly see his stirrups. I can see dirt between his stirrup and his sock. So that is a two cent card. That brings my grand total to eight cents. Uh-oh. And I've got an all star card here. Oh, man. From uh, from the Iron Man himself. Shortstop, Calvin Edwin Ripken Jr. I've heard of him. You have? Yeah. I, so this card is worth four cents. Oh, man. Um, I cannot tell if he is wearing real stirrups or not because the one leg I can see, he has got a shin guard on. <laughs> uh, but being a Hall of Famer, that is a extra five cents. So that is a nine cent card. <laughs> And uh, with that, that has sealed your fate. That's my entire score, <laughs> man. <laughs> and plus, my next card is somebody that we mentioned earlier in the episode. It is a rookie Phil Plantier card. Oh, jeez. Jeez, I had a ton of these. Yeah. I literally had a ton of these. Phil Plantier. This is a... Oh, boy. This is a rookie card that at the time was worth 75 cents. Wow. (laughs) And he's wearing real stirrups. Wow. So that right there brings my total up to 93 cents. Well, that is the Phil Plantier is my Dave Justice this week. Man, I guess so. Uh, Now, this is weird and it's kind of creepy because now I remember another one of the players that perished with Tim Cruz. Steve Olin. Oh, sure. Yeah. From uh, and he is next from the Cleveland Indians. Yeah. Now, that is really kind of weird that I would have a pack with two guys that died in an accident together. Yeah, that's odd. That's too bad. Um, He does have stirrups on, though, so that is a one-cent card. Next, uh, I'm sure you'll remember this name, outfielder for the Houston Astros, Eric Anthony. Oh, Eric Anthony was uh, another speedster, had a little bit of power, too. Yeah, so this was, uh, he'd only played two years at this point, but he had 10 home runs in uh, 1990. Not much of an average. Uh, 180 and 192 his first two years. So, yeah, we call that uh, the the Mark Johnston uh, average. Yeah. <laughs> well, he is sporting a mustache. I can't see his feet, yeah, he, so that is one. He always set. had a little thin mustache. That's right. Yep. Uh, next, uh, is this my first pitcher? Or no, I've had two, unfortunately, dead pitchers. Uh, this is a pitcher for the Chicago White Sox, Wayne Edwards, who I am not familiar with. Not a clue on that one. I'm 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 lost on that one. This is his second year in the or his third year in the big leagues. 
Uh, not bad. 3.25 career ERA in those first two years. Um, but uh, the card is not worth anything. Uh, but he is wearing a mustache. You really you picked the wrong pack this time. I guess so. Uh, we mentioned the Nasty Boys earlier. Here is a central member of the Nasty Boys, Robert Dibble. <laughs> yeah, not one of my favorite players ever either, I got to say. Uh, yeah. He hit a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this card, though, is surprisingly not worth anything. Um, Be a Beckett. Yeah, well, nobody likes the guy. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> um, not wearing a mustache, never sported one, but he does have real stirrups on, so that's another scent. Next, uh, oh, this is a great card. Remember the guy, Mike Icorn. Oh, sure. Uh, Mike. Mark Icorn. Mark Icorn, sure. Uh, this is a great, I mean, this is when they were the California Angels, have the halo over the A, that that logo. And he is just falling through with his uh, with his motion. He's kind of falling to the side. But that's a great picture. And you got the shortstop in the background. Nice. It's a good looking picture. Uh, real strips and a mustache. I'm going to guess that's the only value from Mark Icorn. It is, but that is two cents. I'm about to break a dollar. I'm at 99 cents here. I don't believe this. Wow. It, we, so we had Rob Dibble, kind of a out of control, crazy hard thrower. We had John Franco, another hard thrower. Here might be the hardest throw. Well, no, I guess Dibble would probably be the hardest. But this guy threw it with no real idea of where it would end up. Gave up one of the most famous home runs in World Series history uh, as a member of the Philadelphia Phillies. Here he is with the Chicago Cubs, the wild thing himself, Mitch Williams. Uh, number 99. Yeah, and remember we told that he he tried to sue Charlie uh, Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Thought he was kind of infringing on his gig. <laughs> uh, this card is not worth anything except for Mitch Williams did have a little like high school looking mustache going on there, which uh, brings my total to $1 even. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is kind of a blowout. Uh, next, we've got pitcher for the uh, Boston Red Sox, Greg Harris. Kind of a journeyman. Yeah, he played. He played a good while, and I, I, I remember him as as a Red Sox pitcher, though. Yeah, he, I mean, he had some good years here. If we were to go by ERA, which we kind of have to on the back of these cards, uh, in '86 with the Rangers, a 2.83 ERA, he pitched in 73 games. In 88, with the Phillies, he pitched in 66 games and had a 2.36 ERA. Wow. So, uh, real good setup guy. Uh, Card is not worth anything from Beckett, but he is got a mustache. He's also got those science teacher sunglasses on, but he's also wearing two-in-ones. So, that is Uh. just a, a, a clean zero across the board. Uh, next, uh, my I've got two cards left. Third baseman for the Baltimore Orioles, Craig Worthington. I remember Craig Worthington. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm trying to. I remember there being a, a a commercial for a Cal Worthington, and I was thinking every time Craig Worthington <laughs> came up, I go, "It's Craig Worthington and his dog Sprout." Yeah. If you're looking for a car, go see Cal. That's it. That's yep. It. <laughs> That is growing up in California. He was everywhere, and he always had. He was that crazy used car guy. He had circus animals. That's he right. had people being shot out of cannons, and he had that theme song that I just and he played so third beautifully. Base. Yeah. Um, 
so I remember him as well. He's got a mustache. I cannot tell. He one of the first players here to wear. I see wearing the pants all the way down to his shoes. And <laughs> so the modern style, yes. Yeah. All right. My final card is this was a good lefty reliever for the Atlanta Braves during this time. Kent Merker. Oh, sure. Uh, this card is not worth anything. He does not look like he's got a mustache and he is wearing two and ones though. So that'll bump my score down to an even $1 man from Mr. Kent Merker. Phil Plantier though was clearly, yeah, the Phil Plantier rookie was clearly the winner here. There's your, there's your home run hitter right there, Bell. There's nothing I can do to contain Phil Plantier. Are you kidding me? No, you just, you, you hope he's sick when you're walking in. That's all I can do. That's right. All right, so that will give me the win. We break the deadlock. I am now up 10 to 9, and uh, I'll take that win. That was an easy win. We might have even brought a position player in to close it out, just to <laughs> yeah. keep the bullpen fresh. Yeah, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't uh, difficult for you to face three the three batter minimum. No, it was definitely not. So that'll do it for Wax Packs Heroes for this week. Uh, I'd like to remind everybody, if you would care to do so, you can follow us and communicate with us on social media. We can be found at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, got a got a couple of uh, DMs this week uh, from people that was awesome to talk to. Uh, glad people are enjoying the show and uh, please feel free to rate and review us wherever you're listening to us and uh, Mark I know this was a little bit longer than usual episode but if you get me talking about Ricky Henderson yeah I, I feel like I really I, I contained myself because I, I had a lot of other things that I had wanted to say but oh no I'm regarding this as part one <laughs> of <laughs> of of a what's a, a dodecal a do Decology? Yeah. Is that what a 10-parter would be? At least, yeah. <laughs> oh, but uh, I want to thank you, Mark. I want to thank our listeners as well as always for putting up with us, but just letting me indulge in talking about Ricky Anderson for a while. So thank you all. And uh, Mark, do you want to maybe, we've done even 50 shows now, you want to go for another 50? I think I think we might be able to hit a third digit and and we're halfway there. Well, I, this is my only... Let's not do them all at once. Oh, yeah. We tried that once. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we just do them once a week again. Yeah. But yeah. Let's, let's do, do it, it that way. Let's, all right. let's come back next week. Uh, again, thank uh, all of our listeners. And uh, we'll see you again next week on another edition of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye.